Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. It's Friday night, and I'm excited to be back behind the mic for another show. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, number one, I hope you're starting to feel a little bit more awake and alert. I know you're kind of fighting through a little bit of drowsiness right now, but secondly, you and I have been picking up some new workouts this week. So I want to, I'm curious, how has your, you're doing burpees. You want to explain to everyone what you're doing and how that's gone? Yeah, so just to kind of warm up before I do whatever work that I'm doing uh, just in my basement there, I'm just doing 100 burpees to get that cardio going and been doing it. Today was my fifth straight day, and you're supposed to do it for 30 straight days, 100 burpees, but it's been going well. I mean, after I'm done, I'm just drenched, but then I go do whatever I'm going to do. But yours, the workout you're doing is way more intense. You still you should tell people exactly what that is. Well, it would be a tent if I can finish the damn workout, Nick, but I'm trying <laughs> to get there. So pretty much I'm trying to do a 30-day challenge, and I'm still not even to a full one day at a time yet, but uh, it consists of 300 squats, 200 push-ups, uh, 100 pull-ups, and then I threw in an extra 50 sit-ups sandwiched in between two one-mile runs. So, so far I've gotten to do about a mile run and then about half of all those numbers, and then I, my cardiovascular system, which I do have asthma. I'm not going to make an excuse, but it tends to kind of give way after that. But usually, over the past year, I've been doing a lot more just strength training, and now that I'm getting into some cardio work, yeah, Nick, it's been kicking my butt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we got to keep ourselves busy in this time. We were just talking about it. It can just become repetitive when we're in the same spot for so long. Like I said earlier before we got on, I asked myself, what day is it today? Because it's just the same kind of, you know, actions, the repetitive stuff that we're doing day by day. Yeah, you got to find ways to stay busy. I was telling you a little bit ago, I've been dipping into Animal Crossing with the kid. Uh, We finished the Uncharted series, which I've been sitting on my hands for about four to five years to finally get through that. I stopped halfway through three. Uh, After four years, he had to start that one over, but finished four, Nick, the other day, and it was a beautiful way to kind of wrap up the Nathan Drake story for sure, but going to more age-appropriate stuff with AJ, and now we're going to do Animal Crossing. Uh, We're on day four there on our island, which I did name Libertalia after the last uh, Uncharted series game, so that was a good uh, little segue into us wasting some time here to start the show as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Gotta do what you can, really. 
And there's not a lot. Uh, today, the <laughs> Bears had some conference calls, not your typical press conference uh, introducing players. You don't have any visuals. You just kind of hear the audio of the reporters, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and of course, uh, today we had Nick Foles and Robert Quinn, which I think we got a lot of good information. It just doesn't feel as official as it, as it kind of does in the past when you have that full press conference that you get to watch and kind of digest. Uh, how about you? Did you have a hard time really getting into it? I had a hard time really listening in. It was a little, it's like having a bunch of people on like a Google Hangout or a Zoom call and they're all kind of talking over one another. People are cutting in and out. It's the world we're living in right now, but definitely not where we're used to. Yeah, it just it kind of like you said took away from this being like this. Is usually, a moment every off or every season where you're really looking forward to seeing what these guys have to say. But when there's that that connection lag or some person just talking over somebody, kind of takes away from it. It reminded me I did my first week of online classes at DePaul this week. Same exact kind of thing. We have a bunch of students in there trying to talk over one another, and then you're like, wait. What did they just even say? So that's kind of got a little bit of the same feeling there. Now, I'm used to it. I work remote, so I'm used to online calls all the time. But maybe that's what it felt like work when I'm listening to these people talk, like listen to clients that I usually have to do on a daily basis. But in today's show, I just want to let everyone know what is in store for you. We're going to kick things off by sharing our top observations from those conference calls, including Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, Foles, and Quinn. After that, I'm excited that we're finally back and we're going to share our revised mock draft. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Nick, you pointed it out earlier. It's been exactly one month since we came out with our first mock drafts of 2020. So it's time to update them. And also today is 20 days away from the 2020 mock draft. So it just all makes a lot oh, not mock draft. It's a real draft. Even though it's not going to take place normally, it's going to be a real draft, I hope. Uh, but yeah, then uh, of course, this week as well, if you're not following us on Twitter, please feel free to do so. Uh, over 12.1 thousand followers now. We had a Twitter poll throughout the week, uh, pick by pick for the Bears, allowing people to vote on who they would pick. And we're also going to share who the fans have voted in for each pick as we go through our mock drafts. So really today you're going to have three mock drafts in one, uh, one from Nick, one from myself, and one from a consensus of Bears fans. So Nick, you ready to kind of jump in everything? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go ahead and dig in. And it's time to begin with our conference calls, takeaways. And of course, the first people who spoke today were Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And I think the biggest takeaway, Nick, is that quote, open competition between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. Mitch Trubisky being the first quarterback who will be in a huddle, uh, whether they get to practice in OTAs, uh, minicamp, or training camp. They're unsure, of course, when they're going to be able to get on the field. But whenever they do this year, Mitch Trubisky will be the first quarterback in a huddle. They mentioned this is going to be a very transparent and honest process. And Mitch is embracing the competition. Uh, But what's not being embraced is Mitch's fifth-year option. Uh, They have not really... They did not comment on it. They have about another month or so to make a decision. Uh, but I think uh, no commitment now speaks pretty uh, loudly, at least to me. But Nick, when it comes to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and that open quarterback com- uh, competition, uh, what's your takeaways today? You know, I think it obviously it goes 
against what they were saying prior to today, right? They were saying Mitch Trubisky is a starter moving forward. That's what they that's what Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have said. But then once you actually validate, hey, Nick Foles is on the team, you get this conference call today, the narrative kind of changed a little bit. And I think it was to be expected. You don't bring in Nick Foles just to be the mentor, the backup. And that's what maybe some experts were saying. That's what his role is going to be. But this open competition is in the best interest of the Bears winning right now, which is the the situation that they're in. A lot of the moves kind of showcase that they need to win this season, 2020, and not down the road waiting for Mitch Trubisky to develop, right? So it, it, it didn't come up as a big surprise to me. I you know, was thinking that it was going to be some kind of competition and that Mitch would have maybe the upper hand. He has these first, he'll get the first practice reps, whatever that really means. But I think you'll come, you'll come to see when there's the actual play on the field. Nick Foles is a veteran, understands offense, knows how to change plays. And that's what will ultimately win him this competition, this so-and-so open competition. Yeah. Cause they mentioned that reps are going to be split evenly, but when they're talking about the different quarterbacks, just the tone and like Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's voice and the confidence that in Nick Foles that they started to you know exuberate just a little bit when they're mentioning each quarterback, you can tell they're at least favoring Nick Foles, or at least it sounded like they were, which is why I think even though it's going to be an open competition and Mitch is apparently embracing the competition, I think at the end of the day, you are going to see Nick Foles win this thing. Uh, and speaking of which, Nick, I'm curious to you, uh, your thoughts at the fact that they're talking about preseason and they're really not going to use preseason like they have in the past. They're going to have to play some starters, and that's going to be the COVID impact, of course, here. But uh, when it comes to uh, someone in Nick Foles, of course, coming off uh, a bad injury last year, but uh, he came back and he was able to finish off the season. Uh, and, of course, this agent's career, are you okay? I mean, I guess you're going to have to be okay with him playing in the preseason in those games that really don't matter. Yeah, so for me personally, I think you should see Nick Foles at some point in the preseason, even though he knows a lot of the terminology, what this offense looks like when it's at its full capacity. He has no chemistry whatsoever with any of the weapons that the Bears have on their offense. Mitch Trubisky does. So at least you can use this preseason and obviously training camp to at least establish some kind of chemistry with those guys. At least you need to do it with Allen Robinson because he's such a big part of this Bears offense. So I'm not saying maybe play like two quarters or something, a drive or two for Nick Foles. Then you want to see what Mitch Trubisky can do because he was somebody that should have been playing in the preseason in 2019. But Matt Nagy, with his approach since he's been on the Bears, is to not really play those starters. So I'm okay with it. Just you you don't want to overdo it. This is a preseason. Like you said, Will, it is meaningless, but it is nice to get those reps against another, you know, live football team. Right. I was going to say meaningless in terms of wins and losses, but if they get the preseason and the quarterback competition is still open, again, they'll be, and I quote, transparent and honest, which to me sounds like if someone falls behind, they're just going to let them know like, okay, competition over, you know, your backup and kind of move on. But if they reach the preseason and it's still open, I guess there is value of having both guys out there going up against uh, either opposing team starters or just the same level of competition with the same sort of personnel. So you can have a clear uh, way to evaluate them on a very even level. So I guess there is some merit and some value there as well. Is there anything else that Pace or Nagy said regarding the quarterbacks today that you wanted to mention before we move on to some other takeaways? 
You know, not what they mentioned, but I'm just curious on your take on this, Will. Would you rather Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky come out as the clear, I, he, I'm the better quarterback, just let him win the competition, or you want this dragged out by what is supposed to be the important preseason game number three, and that kind of determines things. Personally, I think I'd rather just have one of the guys just show up, take the spot, because if this is win now, which it is this season, you want to have the majority of those reps go with the quarterback that you think is going to actually do something this season. With COVID-19, you know, how the coronavirus is affecting everything now, this this time in the training camp, if there is a training camp, preseason needs to be utilized to its full capabilities. So I'd rather have one of these quarterbacks just come out, be the clear you know, best option for the Bears and just run with it. And then you can figure out if it's, you know, not Mitch Trubisky, what you're even going to do with him at that point. But that's just how I see it with such an important season and jobs are definitely on the line. Someone come out as a clear victor and then you'll figure out whoever loses, you know, afterwards. This is ringing a bell. I feel like we had this conversation in the past about a position entering last training camp, but I can't place my finger on it. But this does ring a bell of a conversation that you and I did have. Yeah. Was it maybe, I don't think it was like a buster screen or anything like that. No, maybe. It could have been a Duke Shelley buster screen kind of pre-countdown to camp episode. I know we're talking about, you know, there's not, yeah. there weren't many battles last year uh, in this Bears team, uh, which is a good thing. At least it was last year. We thought it was at least. Uh, for when it comes to Mitch Trubisky and uh, Nick Foles, I believe, Nick, you're on the right track when you're saying you want someone to kind of just take it and run with it. That way the team, uh, Nick Foles, and we're going to get to him later, he said, you know, who will lead the team will lead the team. And they're going to leave their egos at the door. So at one point or another, this team does need to gravitate towards a leader, uh, whether it be Mitch, whether it be Nick. And at the end of the day, if it does get, if it does happen sooner, I think there will be some benefit there. For me, hmm, I guess I would, just to be, I played devil's advocate here and say, what happens if it's the other way around where it does drag out because you are getting the best of each guy. Nick Foles is playing at the top of his game. Mr. Trubisky is playing at the top of his game, elevating his play from what we saw a year ago. I do think best case scenario for the long term, uh, at least for the Chicago Bears, would be Mr. Trubisky a light bulb switching. I talked about this in my second Nick Foles podcast after I simmered down a little bit. And if Mitch does embrace this competition and want to get better for it, I, you go with the guy that you drafted and the guy who has the potential and the younger candidate here. But if it's honest and transparent and Nick Foles is the guy and he's you know light years ahead in this offense over Mitch early on, then you just have to pull the pug and let Nick kind of take over this team. Hey, you're playing devil's advocate. I could see that. I think that would be the scenario the Bears would really want here. Just someone, like like you said, to push these guys to bring out the best in both of them. Ryan Pace has said that multiple, multiple times. But we'll just have to wait and see. And it's going to look so different, I think, just because of how everything that's going on right now in the world. And when are we actually going to be able to – when are the Bears going to be able to hold a training camp where – you know, people can be together at one time. So it's going to be interesting how this plays out. But I think that would be the ideal scenario for the Bears organization. I just don't think it's going to end up playing out like that. Exactly. And the thing would be, too, if they come out there in training camp, say training camp is the first live reps that we're going to get this offseason, and Nick Foles is still ahead of Mitch, who's never worked in this offense. He knows the system, but he hasn't played with these players. And if Nick Foles is still outshining Mitch from an early point, you can talk about Russ, but both quarterbacks should have the same amount on them. That would be a huge red flag in my eyes. If Nick Foles come to go out there 
in training camp, and that's the first live reps for this offense, and he's already commanding the huddle. He's already uh, playing within the system and, of course, just connecting with these guys that Mitch has been working with for a couple of years. That's a red flag uh, where Mitch may not end up being the winner of this competition. What does it mean to be locally owned and operated? For Cenex, it means everything. It means that we know if you take your coffee to go or if you like to stay a while. It means we've helped Little Leagues get jerseys and local festivals get funding. It means we know what our communities need. So you'll always leave Cenex with a full tank, full of snacks, or full of smiles. Or all of the above. And that means the world to us. Cenex. Powered locally. And that may known uh, right out of the gate. All right, looking at some other takeaways, uh, for me, uh, I guess one is uh, Jermaine Nefetti. He's here to be a guard. We were questioning that a week ago when we had Kevin Fishbane on from The Athletic, wondering where he's the best fit because he hasn't played guard uh, since his rookie year in Seattle. He's been kicked out to right tackle, but the Bears see him as a guard. They also mentioned that Juan Castillo is high on him, which gets me excited uh, because Fetty is someone who is known to being a raw talent, and if Castillo's high on that talent and needs to coach him up and he thinks he's the guy... Again, even though Fetty did struggle a little bit in Seattle, he is someone with a lot of starting experience. We have a new offensive line coach in Juan Castillo who is uh, high on him. I think that's a really good spot to be in, at least for Fetty, because you know guard is a little easier than tackle. It's a different beast, um, but it is an easier position to play, so the transition should be smooth. Uh, he does have experience there, like I mentioned. It's just been a few years, but uh, anything on Jermaine Fetty, or I know they talked about Jimmy Graham as well. You know, with the Jermaine Effetti, like just bringing him in, I wonder how much of like Juan Castillo played a part in that, saying that he was high on him and then you're going to make the transition to guard. I think that one shows that Pace, because we we know that Ryan Pace will just make decisions, you know, maybe sometimes on the spot uh, with Mitch Trubisky not, you know, telling John Fox, things like that. So he's very prone to just going with his gut. I wonder if something like this you're actually utilizing the people that you brought around you, which would be great because I don't think I think a little pace can be a little in over his head at times. But I think it maybe shows that you're at least taking the input from a lot of these veteran guys that are on this Bears coaching staff and utilizing them to one fill major needs on this team right now, and that is that right guard spot. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into our mock drafts and see if if we feel comfortable there still with the Fetty, but. Um, I think it's it's something that, hey, if it works out, it looks good for the Bears. They're taking a former first-round draft pick that has, I think, potential. Just, again, a lot of issues outside there on an island at that right tackle position where, like you said, Will, a lot harder to play than if you're in the interior where you have a guy on either side of you. Exactly, and I agree. I think that he does have potential, if Eddie does, and I think Seattle was able to tap into it off and on, and it's up to the Bears, it's up to Juan Castillo to find a way to do that more consistently, and I think a move to guard is a good way to at least start that off on the right foot. Well, another player that the Bears brought in that fans aren't really too certain about is Jimmy Graham. I know Matt Nagy said that he's excited about the, quote, situations that he can put in Graham. And they mentioned when they're looking at tight ends this offseason and free agency, Graham just felt like the guy who fits this offense. And compared to where he was in Green Bay, we should be able to see him excel a little bit more just due to the scheme and due to Matt Nagy being able to utilize him more effectively. Do you buy it? Um, I don't know if I buy it, but I think he has to say those things, right? They they paid him, um, signed him to a pretty lucrative contract for a guy that I think is on the wrong side of 30 at this point in his career. 
But you you would think that in Matt Nagy's offense, Jimmy Graham is at least going to have a lot more opportunities. Even in I, I forgot it was Kevin Fishbane actually uh, on the last podcast who said tight ends go to Green Bay and you just expect them to have these you know great numbers because of Aaron Rodgers. But over the years, they just never have used a tight end effectively. Maybe just maybe that can change a little bit here in Chicago because you don't know about Trey Burton's health and you don't know about a lot of the young guys that are on this roster. So Jimmy Graham could be seeing a lot of looks. It's just, does he still have enough in that tank of his to be able to make some of these plays? He just hasn't been the same player that that that's the bottom line. And I think just age got to him. It gets to everybody, but he will at least have the opportunities. Can he capitalize them? That's the big thing with um, Jimmy Graham there. It'll all depend on who's playing quarterback, too. Everything here does uh, interlock, and that's what makes football as great as it is. Anything else from Pace and Aggie today that you wanted to make sure fans knew was mentioned or anything you wanted to kind of comment on? Um, I just think I find it fascinating. Again, I, I think I've said this a couple of times, how you know these guys just say one thing, and then a move happens, and it's a completely different uh, approach to the answer, a completely different way that they're going to approach this team. And even Ryan Pace today, uh, what he said about Leonard Floyd, leaving like, oh, bringing in Robert Quinn shouldn't um, downplay, or whatever he may have said, downplay the significance of Floyd or how he performed here. It's like, well, yeah, it, it basically does. You want an upgrade at that position. That's why you're bringing in Robert Quinn and you let go of Leonard Floyd, a former first-round draft pick. But Hey, these people need to keep things in secret. It just amazes me sometimes how they're they could do that so consistently, and just I don't know. It's it surprises me every single time, and I don't know why. Yeah, I understand it. You you, you hope for transparency and honesty, which they're trying to make with this quarterback competition, at least from our vantage point as well. But uh, it's rare that you do get that until it's all said and done. Uh, moving on to Nick Foles, though. Uh, one thing that I noticed from his presser uh, or conference call uh, just was that poise, that leadership feel that he did kind of bring to the table as a calming presence, one that you know he feels comfortable here in this opportunity to become a starter of the Bears. Uh, and he even mentioned like you know his restructure of that contract was, I think he called it crazy, but he wanted to be in Chicago, so he found a way to get it done and he didn't say it, but I'm sure he wanted to be out of Jacksonville as well. So he was able to just to bite it and uh, move that, uh, move the money around and, you know, eat some there. And yeah, it just was interesting because we've heard Mitch at the podium for the past couple of seasons and it's filled with a lot of ums and just uh, cliches and not a lot sometimes. And it seemed like Nick Foles was able to open up and be a full person. And again, he was on a conference call. We didn't get to see him, Um, but just the leadership qualities that was kind of coming out of him just through listening uh, was something that got me a little bit excited. How about you? You know what? I even going before that, I don't know if you got a chance to watch him. He was on Chase Daniels, YouTube, like 30 minute uh, podcast there, but he, he presents himself very well. He really does. And I think as a veteran quarterback, you should have that sense of calmness. And that is one of the strengths that Nick Foles has on the football field. Look at the Super Bowl, how he's able to, one, navigate that Eagles team and just present himself in a cool, cool manner. And I think you you heard that, too, in the conference call today uh, when he was with Chase Daniel, even though they were just talking, you know, not even football stuff, just regular thing they talked about uh, i forgot the the coffee machine that they all have which i looked up well it's like three thousand dollars and apparently that's a 
I forgot what the brand is. I know I tweeted it out um, when they had the the podcast, but there's one at House Hall. There was one in, um, in Philadelphia with Nick Foles. So it's like they're everywhere. But, yeah, he just presents himself very well, and we've seen the exact opposite with Mitch Trubisky in last season. I say, say that because look at the season, but 2018, I think he was a lot better. Again, you're 12-4. and four. A lot of things are going right in that season. Absolutely. Anything else from Foles? I know he mentioned he has talked to Mitch Trubisky uh, just to make sure that they start this competition on the right foot. And he says so far that is happening, which is good. We don't want any extra riff in this locker room that's already going to ensue from a quarterback competition. Uh, On top of that as well, I know he had some good words to say about the 2018 Bears. They got me excited. Yeah, I I don't know if he's just trying to... I don't get on the Bears Bears fans' good sides by saying that that was one of the toughest games or one of the toughest defenses they've ever played against, which it probably was. But, yeah, just trying to, again, start off on a good note in Chicago. Again, reaching out, talking to Mitch Trubisky. And that's I think that was the big thing coming in. Is there going to be some kind of divide? I don't think Nick Foles is that kind of person to where it's he's going to allow that to kind of happen. If he wins his competition, it's, cause it's going to be because he's fair, um, he's just a flat out better player and you know the team hopefully revolves around him and they just go forward with him I'm gonna move on to Robert Quinn yeah did he flip a coin or not <laughs> I, I don't think he actually did but it's when I first read that I'm like wow that doesn't seem like I guess the best answer you want to hear if you're a Bears fan he just flipped the coin it's like all right I'll go play in Chicago whatever it doesn't make a difference if it's Atlanta or Chicago but I would think like you play you wouldn't you want to play alongside Khalil Mack, knowing that he's going to get a lot of the double teams, and you're just going to have so many, so much more one-on-one opportunities. But from that coin, flip a coin, if he did or he didn't, I think it was just a really close, you know, situation either way. But it seems like Chicago just would be the better choice. Seems like a team that's more ready to win now, especially if you get the quarterback position right. Absolutely. I mean, he mentioned that you know, he knows that playing alongside Cleo Mack, Mack's going to get the majority of the attention. So it's really up to Quinn to take advantage of those other opportunities. But I did find it strange that it seemed like every beat reporter really thought he flipped a coin during the, the conference call. And then a little <laughs> bit afterwards, it's like, no, 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 it wasn't a real coin. It was like a metaphor. I don't know. <laughs> it seems like it was probably a coin, but the Bears were on, and I think they said the right side of it, which I didn't know if, if you meant like the correct or like a right versus left. I'm still trying to figure this metaphorical yet physical perhaps coin <laughs> out here that Robert Quinn has kind of threw us. Maybe that's the best takeaway of the day, but uh, he did m- mention something that I hit on during the show that you and I did reacting to it, uh, that signing is that he does primarily play on the right side. He doesn't really line up on the left. And he said that he's mentioned to the Bears that he is most comfortable on the right side. He would have to kind of adjust his game if he was asked to play both sides. But he told them, you know, when I'm right, lined up on the right side, that is where I'm most comfortable and at my best, which that's why I think the Bears are going to primarily deploy him. I don't think you take him away from his strength, uh, especially if you are going to make him a stand up outside linebacker which historically hasn't already been his strength which you can look into the defenses there and draw some conclusions to yourself as well but uh, outside of that for Robert Quinn uh, that he found out well I found out today that Chuck Pagano was the defensive coordinator at North Carolina that recruited Quinn in there Um, but also Quinn didn't know that Chuck Pagano was the defensive coordinator until after he picked the Bears 
Which I was like, really? You don't know who the, your coordinator is going to be before you already choose the team? That just seemed odd. Maybe he did flip a coin. Seriously. <laughs> you, know, you, just, you hear about that. But, hey, money. I think money talks in the end, right? So regardless of where he's playing, if he's getting paid well, it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is. And, I don't know, it, it seemed like a very strange you know, phone call. I wonder if it would have played out differently had this been a traditional introductory press conference. Um, and obviously we'd be able to see visually what Robert, you know, if there is a coin in the room and if Quinn is in fact flipping that coin and making a decision. Yeah. It's one of those things too, right? Like when you're just listening or talking to someone online and you don't get the visual, it's so hard to not get sarcasm sometimes because you need that visual. Uh, and we definitely didn't get it. So we don't know if there was a coin or not. But regardless, he was in the fence between the Bears and Atlanta. I think he chose right. I believe he knows he chose the correct team. And it's okay. I can't fault the guy for having options and weighing them out. I mean, that's his, you know, that's his right in his situation, uh, being a free agent and everything. So that's okay. And he chose correctly. And I think it's all going to pay out at the end of the day. Anything else from these conference calls, Nick? Or is it time for mock drafts? I think I think it's time. Well, that's that's what everyone's waiting for. The the second round mock draft, the second go around post free agency. I, I'm telling you right now, none of my players are the same as last time. Nice way to spoil it. No, I have one <laughs> the same and I stole one of yours. Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see which one of these players it is. We'll find out. But all right. So starting off with our mock draft. Oh, I don't have the soundboard up for the fancy sounds. I can make it happen real quick. If Nick, you tell me right now, what is uh, Nick Foles? They give him number nine officially. I think so. I think he's going to be number nine. Um, I, th- I thought Tyler Bray was also a number nine as well. So is there a quarterback competition for the number nine jersey? Because we know Tyler Bray is back and. I remember in preseason, Tyler Bray was actually a thing where people were like, let's start Tyler Bray. Oh, God. Good times for the preseason, for sure. Did you find that that soundbite yet? Yeah, I'm ready to roll. I was just just going, but yeah, let's do it. All right. So, Nick, you're going to go up first. So, in the second round and the 43rd overall pick, uh, who does the Chicago Bears select? (laughs) I I could never when that's going on. I'm sorry. Well, it just, it just distracts me. Uh, first, I want to just lay out this pick last time I had Florida Edge Jonathan Grenard. This time, obviously, with the Robert Quinn signing, I went a completely different route. So for the 43rd pick in the second round, I have the Bears selecting LSU center Lloyd Cushenberry. And what I think this player brings is one, not – it's just a championship pedigree, obviously, winning a national championship last year. But he also has very high character. And we know Ryan Pace, this the guys they've brought in the past drafts, free agency. Guys got to have this sense of character with them. Um, Cushenberry was the very first lineman in LSU's history to win or to be awarded the number 18 jersey, which kind of signifies the – success on and off the field so again that shows the character that he has but he can also play ball and that's what's the most important thing here Cushenberry, i think what you see just in his film a guy that's not going to get pushed back uh in a bull rush he has strong hands good anchor into the ground knows how to use his body properly without allowing these nose tackles to kind of get into his body it's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup but we get you, Raymond in Buffalo. 
and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis, and Stan in Central Indiana. Taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, but I just think it makes a lot of sense because the Bears obviously have some issues along the offensive line. And I don't know if the Bears would plug him in at center where he played in college or if they transition him to that right guard position. But I would allow Juan Castillo, or I'd want Juan Castillo and kind of Matt Nagy to figure that out. We know there's been some shifting along the offensive line for the past two seasons with James Daniels and Cody White here. But bringing in a guy like Cushenberry to, one, hopefully solidify the right guard position, however the combination works, I think would be great for the Bears in the long run to, one, solve their rushing attack, Hopefully keep whatever quarterback wins this competition upright and just make the overall offense a lot better in 2020. I like that a lot. Going off into line right out of the gate, not a bad move. I mean, they've already put in one resource there, but of course we've seen the Bears just load up you know, different positions over the years to really exhaust all options when it comes to turning things around. And the offensive line is definitely one of those areas of this team that needs a huge turnaround compared to 2019. So for me... The 43rd overall pick, I have the Chicago Bears selecting Jeremy Chin, the safety out of SIU. Nick, this is the one, of course, I stole from you. I've come around, and I became a fan of, I'm calling him Dud Chin right now, but I would have to wait until see if it actually came to uh, fruition. Um, but when you look at all the moves so far that the Bears have done, they brought in starters across the board, really, except safety. And I think that's why they may go this route with the first pick. Uh, we knew that they met him at the NFL Combine. They met him again afterward. I think he said that was a, like a FaceTime chat, like one of those draft visits, right? Yep. And you mentioned it in the last podcast. I don't want to reiterate it too much, but Chin, he's crazy athletic. I think he would be a fun piece to move around the defense. He has a big body frame on top of his athletic traits, all of which is very enticing. He knows how to get to the ball and make plays on it, evidenced by his 13 picks and 31 passes defensed. And obviously your goal with only two picks in the top 150. And Nick, I guess we should tell everyone right now with these mock drafts, we're not doing trades. Uh, just when to made the show way too complicated. It's hard to really find out who's going to trade and what value you can have. Even though ideally with one of these second round picks, you probably trade back to get more picks. But for the sake of the mock draft podcast, uh, we're just keeping the picks as is. So I just want to mention that. So with only two picks in the top 150, your goal here, you have to get some instant return on investment, some ROI. I think Chin, he can immediately start next to Eddie Jackson. It could even be a, another true competition between Chin and Deion Bush. Both can be used next season on this defense. I like the pick. I don't. I really think you get someone who can be an instant contributor, an instant starter, and someone who brings something a little bit different to this defense. And Jeremy Chin, someone that I know, Nick, you were high on after the combine. I was as well, but he didn't hit my first mock draft, but... Uh, my first mock draft, I actually had uh, Julian Aquara, the edge guy out of Notre Dame. And now I'm going to go safety just due to, of course, Robert Quinn being here. Edge isn't as big as a need as it once was. Yeah, I love that pick, Will. Um, I think Jeremy Chin is a great player. Um, I know that – so he did a live Q&A on Reddit, and someone asked him if you were – if he were to get drafted by a team that's red – and with your last name being Chin, would you be all right with the nickname, the Crimson Chin? And then I know he responded. It's like, 
that would take some time getting used to, but it's funny that you bring up um, that nickname. Um, yeah, it's a great pick because, again, the Bears need someone that could be a playmaker at that position. So imagine that, Jackson and Chin in the back end there. That would be an even more dangerous defense. It would, and I think that's why you make a move like that because it could take this defense to the next level, and I know a lot of people are wanting corner, and obviously I haven't gone through all my picks yet, but I think they have three guys that are probably comfortable with in a competition over there uh, in terms of uh, Tolliver, uh, Roberson, and Burns. So I believe that's why right now I wouldn't take a second-round pick on a corner, even though there are some talented guys there. Uh, real quickly for the fan pick, uh, on Twitter, fans voted for offensive tackle Lucas Niang out of TCU. So they went offensive tackle here for the first pick. All right, so I guess I should go again, Nick. So round two. Pick 50, I have the Chicago Bears selecting Isaiah Wilson, an offensive tackle out of Georgia. And like I said, I'll admit here, Wilson, he is probably a small reach here at pick 50, but if we ideally, this is the pick you trade back and you still find a way to bring in Isaiah Wilson in the third round. But uh, we already talked about it earlier, Nick. The Bears said today that Jermaine Effetti, he's here to play guard. So why not find someone who can bolster the offensive tackle position? Pace did say that he envisions competition across the offensive line, bringing in a guy like Isaiah Wilson, who's a big guy. He has 350 pounds, uh, would be a great addition to this team. He has tremendous power. He can pulverize opposing fronts and rushers. Uh, Despite his big frame, he's also, uh, he possesses that athleticism uh, to kind of move in space. He has a huge wingspan. And when you kind of put all those pieces together, he's just hard to get around from any edge defender. And he is, of course, someone uh, big. He has length. He has size. He has athleticism. Uh, He's just someone that's just tough to get around. He can stonewall people at times. Uh, He does need to work on his technique, but which prospect coming out of college doesn't? Uh, Everything that he needs to work on is extremely coachable. Uh, Juan Castillo, I believe he's someone who can get the most out of him. I really do believe that. Uh, Wilson, I think he can come in and immediately be the swing tackle at the very least. And I would not be surprised if he can beat a guy like Bobby Massey out for a job. And if the Bears want to start their best five guys, it could up Wilson could up end up being one of those five. So for me, I like Wilson a lot. And even if he doesn't contribute or start right out of the gate, he is someone that does project to be a long-term starter in the NFL. And I wouldn't mind him being in Chicago to replace perhaps a Bobby Massey sooner rather than later. How about you, Nick? If round two, pick 50, who do you got? So last time I had Jeremy Chin, which you had for your first pick, but this time I addressed uh, one of the playmakers on offense. I got someone that's just going to bring speed because the Bears just are lacking it right now. And I had Penn State's wide receiver K.J. Hamler with that 50th pick. Now, the one question that maybe people are wondering with K.J. Hamler, how would Matt Nagy make this work? Because he is, K.J. Hamler, a slot receiver. And that is exactly where Anthony Miller lined up primarily in his first two seasons with the Bears. Actually, 929 snaps compared to 293 out wide for Anthony Miller. But if you're Matt Nagy, if your biggest problem in 2020 is figuring out how to get Hamler and Miller on the field at the same time, that's a pretty good problem to have because there could be things that are a lot worse. He didn't get a chance to run the 40 at the NFL scouting combine because he had a hamstring injury during his training. But if you just watch the game film, you could see the speed that he has. Watch his rookie season, 2018, Ohio State. 
93-yard touchdown on a slant route. Should be something that most receivers will make a 10-yard gain. This is a 93-yard touchdown. He makes it look easy. But K.J. Hamler, I think, it just gives Matt Nagy the closest version to that Kansas City offense and their greatest weapon in Tyreek Hill that you're going to find in this draft at that 50th spot. And just to preface, I did use the Draft Network's draft simulator to try to pick out all these picks that I'm going to go through today. But I think that Hamler, again, just gives them that element of speed that they don't currently have, especially with Taylor Gabriel now no longer on this team. But the biggest thing, just figuring out how you're going to utilize them when they're both Miller and Hamler, both kind of slot receivers. I wouldn't be surprised. And KJ Hamler did play a little bit on the outside, but he could play that Z role that Taylor Gabriel played. Taylor Gabriel was five foot seven, 167 pounds playing it. And Hamler's bigger, five foot nine, 178. He just didn't line up as often outside as he did in the slot for Penn State. So you can't rule that out. And Anthony Miller, he did a lot of good things outside at Memphis. So there are definitely options for Matt Nagy, but I think KJ Hamler is an instant, just big play making wide receiver. And that's just something that they didn't have last season. And he would definitely be an upgrade at that position. Yeah, you're right. Bears need it. They absolutely do. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, well, actually, we've talked about that probably all off season, uh, off and on, depending on the episode you listen to. But uh, getting to the fan pick, they took cornerback A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. So they're going to get a very solid corner option in Terrell there. But Nick, it's unfortunately uh, it's time to move all the way down to round five, uh, pick 163. Remember the Bears traded that fourth round comp pick that they're going to get. That was to acquire Nick Foles. So he is our fourth round pick technically, um, but all the way down round five, pick 163. Nick, who are the Chicago Bears selecting there? At round five, one pick, uh, pick 163. They're going to select Georgia safety, J.R. Reed. So I think this is a player that if you just watch his film again, he's exactly what you want to compliment Eddie Jackson. So Jackson can play more of that free safety role, even though Chuck Pagano did like having two high safeties. You could play J.R. Reed a little bit more in the box. He's somebody that takes good angles to ball carries and is making good form tackles, which I think sometimes you're just missing out of some of these safeties, or even linebackers at times. They're just looking for that kill shot. J.R. Reed is an instinctive one, and also very smart football player. So he recognizes things before they happen. Against Notre Dame last season, there was a screen pass going to, I think, Chase Claypool. But instead of J.R. Reed, who comes off the line of scrimmage unblocked and has a, a, a lane right to the quarterback, he reads his eyes, is able to bat down the pass and you know just get off the – I don't think the defense got off the field, but it's a good play by him. I think that's what you kind of need out of the safety position. If it's anything like Adrian Amos was for Eddie Jackson, the Bears would take that. Just somebody that's not going to be a liability, make smart plays, but just do their job. And I think J.R. Reed is a perfect safety for that. And if he is still available, he was in the draft simulator in round five, pick 163. I think that would be a great pickup. We know Ryan Pace has an infatuation, which is – Georgia players he's drafted four so far since uh become the GM in 2015 and maybe this could be the fifth one I know you had a Georgia player as well Will so just kind of keeps that line of Georgia Bulldogs coming to Chicago and I think you were there Will when he said 
uh, J.R. Reed said that Roquan Smith and him were roommates back uh, during their national championship year in 2018. So he has some some familiarity there with Roquan, but I just think he's a good football player. He'll complement Eddie Jackson well, and that would just be good for the overall defense. Uh, Luscious me on Periscope. Yes, we are live. We always like to do our shows live. So just want to make sure you know that. Uh, So for me, round five, pick 163. Uh, This is the one that I brought over for my previous mock draft, and it is Devin DuVernay, wide receiver out of Texas. I really, really thought about James Morgan, the quarterback out of FIU here. I had him in the sixth round in my first mock, but I don't think he makes it that far. And quite honestly, if he's there at 163, I probably would be surprised as well. So for now, I'm going to stick with DuVernay uh, because I think he is – Uh, A piece of this offense to take him to the next level. A lot like your pick earlier here, Nick, because he has the speed. Uh, DuVernay, he ran a 4.39 at the uh, 4.3940 at the combine, uh, which I believe is the third fastest of all wide receivers there. Uh, What I really like about him, when he was coming out of high school, he was a top five recruit heading into college. And after his senior year, he ended as a top five wide receiver in the NCAA. So he really did live up to his potential. He found a way to enter as a top five and exit as a top five, which makes me believe he'll go to the NFL and he should be a very good pro. Now, not only is he wicked fast, but he loves to play physical. I talked about this last time. He loves to bully defenders with the ball in his hands. He brings the nasty with his stocky frame and his low center of gravity. He's hard to take down. He also has super hands. He doesn't drop anything. Uh, You can see him making some crazy catches. He doesn't have those focus drops or anything of that nature. At the end of the day, the Bears get a wide receiver here with top-end speed, which, Nick, we all know they desperately need. But instead of waiting to maybe, for me, I was debating waiting to like this uh, seventh round just to get someone with pure speed. But that person would be more like a one-trick pony. Um, But by selecting DuVernay, they get a receiver who also brings a physical presence and reliable hand. So I don't know about you, but if you can draft a guy here in the fifth round who can catch everything, take a top off the defense, earn uh, yards for himself with an exciting blend of physicality and raw speed to win foot races, it seems like a no-brainer to me. So Devin DuVernay, the wide receiver out of Texas, is going to be remaining here as my pick 163 for the Chicago Bears. And the fan pick here was tight end Harrison Bryant out of FAU. So the Bears want fans wanted a tight end here. Moving into round six, 196th overall pick. I have the Bears taking David Woodward, a linebacker out of Utah State. Now remember, the Bears lost Nick Wachowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis this offseason. So right now, behind Roquan and Trevathan, you only have Iggy. I don't know about you, Nick. I don't trust Iggy to be the inside linebacker three on this roster, at least not without a fight. So enter Woodward. This guy knows the game, and his football IQ is off the charts. He has a nose for the football. He can read a play in an instant and make a break for the ball. He's also a thumper. He can lay down the boom. Uh, it really helps him, that IQ, that football smarts, help him be in the right place at the right time. Uh, he tackles with confidence and authority. Uh, he doesn't do a great job at shedding blocks. I think we know that about a couple linebackers on this team. So he's going to need a good defensive front to help him. good thing is we have one of those here in Chicago. Now there are a... How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. 
Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Couple of red flags when it comes to Woodward. Uh, he's had quite a few concussions. A couple years back, he actually broke two vertebrae that he did recover from and go back to play. Uh, and of course, that's why he's here in the combine or the draft pool. And he had a knee injury last season after seven games that took him out. So he does have some injury history that does worry me. But that's going to make him fall because his talent is much higher than our sixth-round pick. Just his injury history is going to push him down the boards a little bit. So for me, I take a chance on a talent hope he can rebound from a health standpoint. He has everything you want. He just has to stay on the field. And luckily, as of right now, this would just be a depth piece, but a very important one. I think he could bolster special teams as well and be a very strong contributor there. So for me, I know linebacker is not a huge need. But I do think you need that inside linebacker three, someone who can step in. We we know very well that Danny Trevathan has yet to put together uh, a full 16-game season. He's had one since his time in Chicago. He hasn't had uh, been able to put together a second one yet. So you're going to perhaps have someone step into that role. Uh, perhaps it'd be Woodward. It wouldn't be a bad pick at all. But it is a very uh, cliff I see here in the chat. Risky pick, high reward, high risk. And you're absolutely right. That's what we're going here with the David Woodward pick. How about you, Nick? Who are you going for? Yeah, round six, pick 196. I have the Bears selecting Pittsburgh cornerback Dane Jackson. Uh, I got a chance to see him play a little bit at the Senior Bowl while I was at Mo- in Mobile, Alabama. He was a guy locked down man-to-man corner, and that's what he primarily did at Pittsburgh. And what was interesting just watching his film He's a guy that played on both sides. He primarily played on the right side, but it you wouldn't be um, unrealistic to see him on the opposite side shadowing uh, presumably the opponent's number one wide receiver. He's got that um, that attitude that you kind of see in these dominant uh, you know, starting cornerbacks, but he was, he was a really good athlete in high school playing uh, as a dual-threat quarterback, getting over 1,000 yards on offense, 1,100 uh, rushing, 975 yards passing, but he also played basketball as well. So I think with any of these you know, later round draft picks like you will, you took high risk, high reward. You guys, you want guys that are athletic too. Maybe that can potentially grow into something. You're not realistically looking for starters, but depth pieces right now that potentially in the right, you know, scheme, the right coaches around them could become something. I just like the, the attributes that, that Jackson has there. He's just able to one diagnose plays, uh, especially screen passes. He plays with a very physical and tough presence. Um, there was this one play against Wake Forest where there's a screen pass, and Jackson's able to, one, just go unblocked and just completely light up this poor slot receiver. I think he had to come out of the game for a little bit. But that's what you kind of want to see, these splash plays from these guys. And as I was watching Dane Jackson's film, those kept coming up. And just having that versatility of playing on the left and right side I think that bodes well for him for one being drafted by a team. So I think that I don't think there's really a high risk with this pick. Maybe we're just not getting a potential starter right now, but the bears do have what is a three man competition with Tolliver, Trey Roberson and Artie Burns right now for that cornerback spot. Hopefully one of them just comes out as a clear, um, you know, winner there, but I would like to see a guy like Dane Jackson develop under Chuck Pagano. You have Kyle Fuller there as well. See what he can become, and then you might have a steal at round six, pick 196. 
All right. I like that a lot. Uh, again, sometimes it's okay to be a little patient with some draft picks. And uh, that's a very smart one there, Nick. Uh, for the fans, they chose offensive lineman Jake Hansen out of Oregon. So that's the second offensive lineman that Bears fans voted in for their mock draft. Now, moving down, round six, already at pick 200. Man, we're really shoveling down real fast here. Uh, I'll go ahead. I'll start this one off again, Nick. So with uh, round six, pick 200, I have the Chicago Bears selecting Dalton Keene, the tight end out of Virginia Tech. Now, even though the Bears already brought in a couple of free agent tight ends, I'm not going to be shocked if they end up throwing a draft pick at the position too. Keen, he may not be one of the bigger names in this year's class, but he's a very interesting prospect that I wouldn't mind being in Chicago. Uh, the first thing that jumps out is his versatility. He can line up almost anywhere. You'll see him at a wing, tight end, lining up in the slot, or even as the H-back. He's known for his work ethic and competitiveness. With the ball in his hands, he fights for every yard and breaks through tackles, and he can kind of do it all. He's pretty strong at blocking as well as receiving. Now, if you're looking at his stats, you may be a little disappointed, though. Only 49 catches over the past two years, but that's really more due to the system at Virginia Tech, not really going through him and not really giving Keen some chances. Now, I told you he can do a little bit of everything. Last season, he actually had 11 carries, just to kind of further prove his versatility. So when I'm looking at Dalton Keene, I'm not going to go too deep into him here. We're starting, we're at pick 200. I'm not going to go too far here. But when I'm looking at him, he remind, he's a modern tight end and maybe a sprinkle fullback. So it's a real interesting blend of skills here. Uh, kind of like a Swiss Army knife type of guy. So why not add in... That guy who is like a jack-of-all-trades into the mix at tight end at this stage of the game. So for me, I'm going to go tight end here with the 200th overall pick. How about you, Nick? Yeah, round six, pick 200. I have the Bears selecting Oregon tackle Calvin Throckmorton. What a, a last name there. But with this pick, I wanted to, again, get somebody that has some versatility. In his four years at Oregon, he does have experience at guard, tackle, and center. So again, creating – he's given himself – just with his playing career at Oregon opportunities to maybe get on the field a little bit quicker than somebody who is more of a one dimensional type of player. And at this late in the draft, you know, pick 200 again, you're just maybe trying to select somebody like, like a Charles Leno jr. Who was a seventh round draft pick in 2014. You're hoping you can find that player. It's not always doable, obviously, but I think when I, when I was just kind of watching a little bit of film on, on him, there, there were some things that kind of stood out. Like I watched the Auburn game, and you see that um, Derek Brown is one of the guys that he has to go against, and there was a play where he does get the best of him. And that's what you want to see a potential where I have a six-round draft pick going against a top-five overall pick and winning that battle. So I think that could be an option to, one, add some depth on that offensive line, maybe he could become the swing tackle because the Bears are still looking for that that person right now. But Calvin... Throckmorton with pick 200. That's who I have the Bears going with. All right. Uh, fan pick for 200 is safety on uh, Antone, uh, Antone Brooks, Antony Brooks, A-N-T-O-I-N-E. You think we were both Big Ten people, we would know, but. Nope. <laughs> I, I just know how to spell it. I don't know how to pronounce it, but Brooks out of Maryland, a safety. Interesting pick there by fans over on Twitter. And just like that, we're in the seventh round. This is going to be a really interesting draft for the Bears if they don't trade back, I'll tell you. It goes quickly into uh, the gutter of the draft, but you never know. You can find a diamond in the rough. So round seven, pick 226 now. So we're really, really stabbing. Nick, who are you going to take a chance on? 
Yeah, round seven pick, 226. I have the Bears selecting San Diego State linebacker Kayava Tizino. And I, at this point in the draft, I'm looking at potentially just spots that need to be filled. And earlier, like you said, with your linebacker, Will, the Bears did lose Nick Kwiatkowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and I just don't feel comfortable with Joel E.A. Buniwe, and I believe Josh Woods is still on the roster. So that, I mean, that, again, goes to show you that I just am not comfortable with the position if I don't know if Josh Woods is. I think he is. He's under contract for 2020 at least. But um, Tizino, when I was watching his film, he he just kind of he popped out, especially against Colorado State, where in the video that I was watching back-to-back plays, he's one making a fourth down stop. He's just shooting through the a gap, getting through all that mess that's in there to one stop the running back short of the end zone line. And then the play directly after that, this is the start, I believe of the third quarter. He shoots through the B gap unblocked forces, a fumble on the running back and the defense is able to recover. You want to see these splash plays, obviously being pick, 226 I do not expect him to make an impact really whatsoever on this team but if he is going to potentially make the team it has to be on special teams that's where the other two backup linebackers have secured spots on this team for now through special teams but if Tizino wants to make a you know a potential spot for himself it would have to be on special teams first and then you can take the long journey up the, the Bears' depth chart to see if you can make it. But San Diego State linebacker Kayava Tizino with round seven, pick 226. All right, round seven, pick 226. I guess at this, uh, this point, the draft, even the chime doesn't matter, as I forgot <laughs> to hit it when you went through. That's okay. Uh, so for me, at 226, Ryan Pace says he has to draft a quarterback every year. And he hasn't done it. I'm pretty adamant that you'd need to take a stab at it, even this season. So I'm going to try, and I'm going to go with Jake Lutton, the quarterback out of Oregon State. Now, like I said earlier, I did debate going for James Morgan at 163, but I don't know if he'll be there, and I wanted to get a wide receiver then uh, that I believe takes the offense to the next level this season. So after missing out on a quarterback, it took a while for the value to kind of realign itself, but finally in round seven, which doesn't sound super exciting, it finally did. Uh, so I'm going to take a chance on Ludden. His arm has the strength that you want to see in the league. He has the ability to squeeze the ball into tight coverages. He doesn't have, a, I want to call it a cannon, but he has enough velocity on his throws. He's a pretty big dude. Uh, he's 6'7", uh, but despite being taller, he knows how to work the pocket. And when things break down, he has the improvisation skills to direct traffic and kind of just make plays happen. He's very he's known for being good at reading coverages, anticipating breaks on routes. He can lead his guys into big plays. He has decent accuracy, but of course for a seventh round quarterback, he's not gonna be the most accurate guy. He's not a gunslinger. He's a methodical, systematic kind of guy. He can pick defenses apart. He also doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, he has interceptions on less on two percent of his passes uh, throughout his career. Uh, and that doesn't mean he can't and won't throw the deep ball. He did it very well last year. He had a hundred and thirty-six point two passer rating on balls thrown of twenty plus. Which, by the way, Nick, that did lead the nation. So for me, I'll take a chance on Lutton as a developmental quarterback for now. And if Foles and if the Foles Trubisky thing uh, kind of falls apart or doesn't pan out, then you take a quarterback higher next season. But so for right now, uh, it's either going to be Foles Trubisky, a combination of the two throughout the season if things happen. Uh, so for right now, it's okay to wait a while for a quarterback that you can kind of put in your back pocket, throw in a practice squad, and see what happens. What about Fan Tyler pick Bray? here. 
No Tyler. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, we're moving on. Uh, it's going to be Lutton. And for real quickly, the fan pick, they went with a wide receiver, Marquez Callaway out of Tennessee here for this pick, which is a really good pick here in the seventh round, especially for the mock draft poll uh, where there wasn't a wide receiver yet. This is a good one to pick up here in round seven. All right, round seven, pick 233. I'll go ahead and kick it off, and then on my mock draft to be over, I'm going to go with Michael Warren II, running back out of Cincinnati. Uh, again, I'm going to wrap this up back-to-back offensive picks. I've said on the podcast a few times this offseason, but I really think the Bears need another running back in this rotation uh, and a true running back, too, in this offense. Someone that just brings more to the table and ideally something different than both Montgomery and Cohen have, and I think Warren's that guy. Like my wide receiver, Duvernay, earlier, Warren, he's compact. He's 5'11", 218. And with that build and his natural contact balance, he's tough to take down. He's a physical runner. You'll see defenders constantly and consistently just falling off of him, especially when they're just trying to arm tackle him. He knows how to work through traffic, um, but he's not just like a straight line bruiser back. He can be shifty at times. He can be used outside of the tackles. He also has a pretty decent route tree. He had over 40 catches over his last two seasons, so he can do it all. You can put him on the field and Unlike in previous bear seasons, when you put a back in the backfield, it doesn't have to be a run up the middle type of play. You can kick it outside. You can pass the ball. You can really keep defense on the toes with a guy like Michael Warren in the backfield. Uh, Looking at his NFL comp, it is Daryl Williams from the Chiefs, and he's found some pretty good success in his role in that offense. And of course, any running back here in the seventh round wouldn't have a large role but he's a bruiser guy, and the Bears don't have anyone in that backfield that can pick up those short yardage situations. Now, David Montgomery can with proper blocking, but if you need a guy to bully through a defensive line, Michael Warren's your guy. So for me, I'm going to go ahead and get a guy who I know can get me a yard if I need it on third and one. So Michael Warren is going to be my final pick here to wrap up my mock draft at 233. How about you, Nick? Uh, like you will, I I went running back as well with that final pick, round seven, pick two thirty three. Except I selected Washington running back Sylvan Ahmed. And to be completely honest, the only reason I, with the draft simulator, why I selected him, uh, well, once I you know said I'm going to watch his film, what stuck out to me was how his stance in the backfield. He stands straight up, and I found that so. So weird to be completely honest in the beginning, but then I started watching his tape and I noticed he has some good contact balance. There's this play where he is getting maybe, I don't know, four feet off the ground. It's it's very low. He's ducking literally underneath his tight end to get a first down. I'm like, okay, this guy can play. And then against um, Cal, uh, Cal, Ashton Davis, who's projected to be, I think, a second round safety selection in this year's draft. He's able to get outside of him by bouncing a play that's supposed to go inside, using his vision to diagnose the traffic. There's nothing there. Bounces outside, is able to outrun him, get a touchdown. So there are certain attributes that I... It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana. Taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Honestly, really liked just watching him and not knowing really who this prospect was. I only felt 
like I liked him because of how weird his stance was. So it's interesting how we find some of these late, late round guys. But like you, I think the Bears could add another player in that backfield. One that is, look, Tariq Cohen, I think, was just, he's a guy that I think he needs to go outside. He's not an in-between-the-tackles kind of runner. But Matt Nagy and that offense just decided, let's keep trying it to see if it works. It didn't. David Montgomery didn't have proper blocking, but I still think he is going to be a good back in this system. But bringing in a guy like Salvana Med could be a nice little balance if you had all three of them. And that's what the NFL is kind of going towards a, you know, multiple running backs in the backfield to kind of carry the load. So I like him last pick in the draft. You can't, you can't honestly decide who it's going to go there, but this will be the second year in the row. The bears decide to draft a running back in the seventh round. They had Kareth white, who was doing some good things for Pittsburgh. And for some reason, the Bears decided not to keep him on the roster. Right. Didn't he get poached off the practice squad, if I remember correctly? That or may was have it been like it. one of those when they're like doing roster moves and they had to release people and then they ended up gotten going away. But I'm pretty sure he was just poached, if I remember okay. correctly. So they're trying to keep him, but Pittsburgh had some injuries at running back and had to find someone. Yeah. And they got the guy. And again, they also had, geez, Mike. Davis is his name. <laughs> yeah, for, I think. Wait a minute. Yeah, so they tried last year. I think they're going to have to try again. Uh, you can't have Ryan All be your third running back on this team and expect good results. So for me, I'm hoping either of our guys seem like interesting options, but throwing another guy who complements the skill sets of Montgomery and Cohen seems like a no-brainer. Someone that can do something a little bit different to throw different wrinkles at a defense just kind of continues to evolve uh, the opportunities for this Bears offense. And real quickly to wrap up the fan pick, uh, is a quarterback by the name of Jake Lutton out of Oregon State. I don't know if I need to talk about him any further, but they went with him for the final pick. But So we both have that same quarterback. Thank you, Bears fans. <laughs> so to recap my picks real quick, I got Jeremy Chin, the safety out of SIU, Follow that up uh, at pick 50 with Isaiah Wilson, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. Devin, Der- Devin Duvernay, wide receiver out of Texas. David Woodward, linebacker at Utah State. Dalton Keene, tight end, Virginia Tech. Jake Lutton, quarterback out of Oregon State. And Michael Warren, the second, running back out of Cincinnati. How about you, Nick? Want to recap? Yeah, so round two, pick 43, I have Lloyd Cushenberry. And then at pick 50, I have Penn State wide receiver K.J. Hamler going all the way to the fifth round, pick 163, Georgia safety, J.R. Reed. And I follow that up with pick six, or round six, pick 196, Pittsburgh cornerback, Dane Jackson. And then at pick 200 in the sixth round, Oregon offensive tackle, Calvin Throckmorton. And then in round seven, I have San Diego State linebacker, Keva Tezino at pick 226. And then the last pick, running back Washington or Washington's running back Salvan Ahmed to end it off. And to recap the fan picks, just to be consistent, offensive tackle Lucas Nyang, followed by cornerback AJ Terrell, tight end Harrison Bryant, offensive lineman Jake Hansen out of Oregon, safety Antony Brooks, Antone Brooks out of Maryland, wide receiver Marquez Callaway out of Tennessee, and Jake Lutton, quarterback out of Oregon State. Nick, any final thoughts on your mock drafts or our mock drafts before we sign off? Yeah, just just how different it was, you know, right after we got done with the combine. We obviously talked to a lot of those players and seeing that the position that they had, but just a month, exactly a month later, how this can change after free agency. 
But yeah, we'll we'll do the. Oh, I think what one more attempt at this before the draft, and we'll see again how much it maybe potentially does or doesn't change. But yeah, I think it was a, a good mock by both of us, and we addressed a lot of the Bears' needs. And obviously, that's what you kind of want to do. And also, just filling in fans and some players that maybe just haven't heard of. Now you got a better understanding of some of the guys that are going into this 2020 NFL draft. Correct. And they can take the names that we listed and some of our insight and do their more homework and build upon it. So that way, when they get to the fifth, sixth, seventh round, where the majority of our picks lie, maybe they'll know a name or two. Even if the Bears don't call their number, they'll see them get taken off the board. Like, hey, I remember hearing about, uh, geez, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, who are these guys? <laughs> who do we just talk about? You know, I'm kidding. But like a Dalton Keene, like who? And then you find out, oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that. So yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. It's crazy how much it changes. My only other takeaway is the Bears should use one of their second round picks. But they should definitely look into trading some back because there's a lot of value in that third, fourth round that they're missing out on. You could get a quarterback like a Jordan Morgan or a Jake Fromm if you're a Nick Moriano there trying to draft a quarterback for the Bears, uh, perhaps a receiver a little earlier. Well, Nick, you had one in the second round. But you know what I mean. You can bolster this team a little bit more if you do trade back and fill up some extra spots here earlier in the draft instead of waiting so long in between uh, pick 50 and pick 163, I think. So the hundred and some odd picks off the board, that's a lot of players to miss out on. So ideally they find a trade partner. I think that's my takeaway. Yeah. I mean, I think that we'll see Ryan Pace. He could do the exact opposite giveaway picks to go get somebody they likes. We've seen that a lot, but it's going to be interesting how one, they actually conduct the NFL draft this season and what he's going to do with that large. It's just such a large gap between round Mm -hmm. two and round five. So it'll be interesting to see what Ryan Pace actually does come draft time. I still wouldn't mind getting an edge. None of us had one, but I wouldn't mind going edge because right now, I mean, yeah, you brought in Mingo and of course you still have Isaiah Irving, but I would preferably if you had someone and again, if you get more picks, then you can snag one up, Uh, but someone you can develop and be that third or perhaps fourth guy to really round out that rotation because Quinn and Mack are going to be, excuse me, a great combination, but you have to spell them. And when you do, you got to find guys who can come in and make an impact. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for tuning in live or, of course, listening to the podcast. An extra special shout out to maybe next year BearFan77 for leaving us an amazing review on Apple Podcasts over the week. We're only 31 away from our goal of 700 reviews by training camp. So if you haven't left a review, please review or rate our show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you do, you can have an extra special shout out, too. We'll be back here soon. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7, with supplies and solutions for every industry, and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.